This show is a part of the FM Podcast Network. Visit us at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. (laughs) Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle like a gypsy queen. (laughs) <laughs> wiggle, 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 all dressed in green. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle till the moon is blue. Wiggle till the moon sees you. This is Pod Dylan that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan one song at a time. Proud member of the FM Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about, yes, Wiggle, Wiggle from 1990s Under the Red Sky is writer Andrew Heavens. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Rob. Thanks a lot for having me on. I was hoping you got to keep going there. You should have, yeah, was, yeah, it's a good first verse anyway. Yeah. It sure is. Uh, wow. Uh, I am fascinated as to why you picked this one and, and the discussion we're going to have about it. And in many ways, I feel like all 272 episodes are merely just prelude to this one, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Since you haven't been on the show before, let's, let's start at the beginning. How did you become a fan of Bob? Well, it's, it's, I mean, in my head, it's a kind of a family myth. So I, I grew up um, following my father's job around in Nigeria, then Kenya, then Egypt, up until wow. I was about 10. And um, that kind of meant I was cut off from, you know, the charts, from uh, the, the you know, popular music in Britain and America. Um, I mean, it turned out, I found out later, there was great music going on in Nigeria, Kenya and Egypt. But I was like two, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, I, I was basically... Uh, indoors a prisoner of my parents record collection like a lot of us are <laughs> and um so i don't know i don't know what that meant for you but for me that meant like orchestral easy listening and uh 19th <laughs> cent- 19th century uh comic operettas you know gilbert and sullivan and uh we went to church so loads of hymns and uh, carols and that kind of stuff and loads of show tunes my dad liked show tunes but anyway, i still love all that stuff but then um one day my sister and i have a uh an older sister who for very complicated family reasons did not grow up with me. Um, she came to stay with us in Kenya and she brought out with her, this is like the um, mid to late seventies. She brought out with her three LPs. Imagine flying with LPs, right? And she, um, one of them was Frank Zappa's apostrophe. One of them was uh, Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. Solid, solid choice. Uh, yeah. Solid, you know, we're talking about 76. I think that kind of works date wise. And the third one was a double album, uh, Bob Dylan's greatest hits volume two. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, I, and I asked her later, why did she bring those three out? And I think the theory was they've all got kind of kid songs on them. So Frank Zappa's got that, you know, watch out where the huskies do and don't you eat that yellow snow. And then, um, Simon Garfunkel, obviously it's all kind of kids music. You know, it's got at the zoo, that kind of stuff. And then Greatest Hits 2's got all that cool extra stuff, isn't it? It's got, uh, Quinn the Eskimo and, and, and those kind of things. I must have been into sort of the frozen north at the time. And, and the, the, the crazy thing is I can, Think about that. I can't remember any of the songs, but I can remember kind of weird voices, and I can remember very, very distinctly the the, the feeling of my my tiny little mind exploding. You know, basically, you know, a guy that's been listening to James Last and uh, Gilbert and Sullivan for his first the first seven years of his life suddenly is thrust into the middle of you know the really good Bob Dylan stuff, Frank Zappa and Simon and Garfunkel. So I think that left kind of a Bob Dylan shaped gap in my head at least <laughs> and my, my dad uh, recorded Simon Garfunkel but Dylan and Zappa uh, were too much for him so that I kind of had a pause you know 
And um, then, as, as British people often do, they sent their children off at the age of eight to boarding school. So I went back to Britain. I got I sort of tried to catch up with, the, you know, the normal chart stuff for the next few years. And the next time my head exploded was when I went to university in Edinburgh, Scotland. And um, I kind of fell in with a band and I hung out with people with totally different musical tastes. And we had some of the coolest professors who... Um, I could still name check them, you know, Randall Stevenson, Cairns Craig, Sarah Carpenter, um, Aiden Day. And they were all Bob Dylan nuts. And, and they'd, they'd got together and they'd agreed that they would never teach him to us because they didn't want to turn Bob Dylan into a chore. Mm. But essentially, you know, their, their, their um, studies were lined with pictures of Bob Dylan and the, the albums were on the wall. And, their, you know, their vocabulary and their references were Bob Dylan. And I, I can remember like one, there was one, I was, got into a lift in the university hall and one of the lecturers got in. And he was, he was really emotional. And he was saying, you know, look, I'm just so pleased for you that at last you've got your own Bob Dylan album because this was, uh, uh, 1989. So, Oh Mercy had just come out. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and it was just, I could just remember just the emotion of, you know, a diehard Bob Dylan fan glad that finally he felt he had something to pass on to the next generation that was, that wasn't Dylan and the dead and, um, you know, knocked out and loaded and all the other ones. Um, <laughs> And really, just from that that kind of musical soup that I got thrown into at university, I kind of I think as a lot of your listeners have said before, you know, I filled in backwards and forwards. I started listening to, I loved another side of Bob Dylan. That's kind of a real kind of twenty something studenty album. I think you know, loads of screwed up relationships and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and um, I got into all the obvious stuff. And then, I mean, I had an early chance. The first Bob Dylan album I bought in earnest in live as it came out was Dylan and the Dead, but. Um, but then yes. I got into Mercy, and and then as we know, we know what happened next, right? It's been glorious ever since, pretty much. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> glorious <laughs> ever since. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like uh, your sister's albums because, like, in terms of accessibility, that's a straight uphill line from Simon and Garfunkel. I would say very accessible to most yep, people, yep. and then Bob, kind of in the middle, and then way further up the mountain. <laughs> Frank Zappa. So it's really, there's like baby steps, baby steps. And then, whoa, okay, here we go. But it does have that whole um, Huskies and Yellow Snow stuff in the middle of it, which is very child-friendly. Um, it's, it's um, yeah, it's kind of dirty, dirty kids' humor, which is quite fun. Right. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so have you seen them live? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, I mean, this, this kind of come neatly full circle. So as, as I said, I fell in with a load of, proper musical music fans, including some really um, strong Dylan fans. And um, in uh, when we were at university, um, I got on a bus in Edinburgh um, and travelled five, six hours, which seems a long way for us in Britain, but I know that's just one state for you guys, right? But and we, <laughs> we got on the bus to London, February 3rd, 1990. And my sister, the same older sister, had a, had a flat in southeast London. And me and my friend, we slept on her floor and then we got the next day and we went to see Bob Dylan at the Hammersmith Odeon, um, London. So February the 3rd, 1990. And, um, oh, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, I, I've read some people describing it as this was a kind of, this is like the early, early days of the never ending tour, right? And people said some good stuff. And I haven't managed to track down a bootleg of this one, but, um, I remember a guy in a hooded top barely looking at us and, you know, playing that game but this time when it isn't fun when you're trying to guess what the song is i don't know it was a uh, yeah yeah i mean i think i think it, it he was there to test me right <laughs> my first <laughs> album was the dead 
And my first album was a real clunker. Um, <laughs> but, but there was the romance of coming down with my friend, of having trekked so long, having seen it in with my sister again, my older sister, Ollie. And um, kind of you, get, you have that weird kind of masochistic streak, or I certainly do, or maybe it's just me, of knowing that the good stuff's out there somewhere. So you have to keep on going, right? Um, <laughs> so I kept going. And yeah, and over the years, I've seen him 15 times now, I think. Wow. Um, so uh, there have some much better ones. What is how in your mind? How did it get better? Do you think Bob was just? Do you think that night you saw him, he was just kind of indifferent, or do you do you feel like that your expect not expectations, but your your kind of what you? Well, I guess it is expectation. You, you just it's different having seen yeah. him that first time. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you'd have thought the first time would be the would be exciting, right? And I was I was excited by the thought that he was in the room, etc., etc., mm-hmm. etc. But I don't know. I mean, my I, I really want to track down bootleg to see whether my memory is good or not. But um, maybe it was a bad. There's so many things that could have gone wrong, right? It could have been a bad system. It could have been, I don't know. But I, but we, we do, you know, he is bad sometimes, right? We got to, we got to embrace that fact, especially if you're about to sing the praises of Wiggle Wiggle. You've got to check. You've got to check your taste <laughs> occasionally. Think, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I don't like him. I don't want to be one of those guys that just likes anything he does. But um, but I think really, I mean, I just hit on a. On, on, on a golden vein, as in, you know, from those years on, we all know what happened, right? That he, um, seemed to have lost his way a little bit, um, late eighties, early nineties and was looking, reaching out to friends and people to help him, you know, traveling Wilburys, the dead, you know, Daniel Lanois. And then, and it, I, what was he like 49, 48, uh, 50, that sort of age around then? I mean, yeah, that, he was that's 50 roughly... and 91. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So I'm, I'm 52 now. So he's kind of, for me, this is such a, an object lesson, right? He was in that dark wood, stuck in the middle of life, and somehow he—he he, and you can clear that you can clearly see that he's struggling at times, but he found a way out. And I think that you know the concerts I went to see him track that progression to this miracle. This guy in his eighties, who's you know, I think I think you agree, producing arguably the best stuff he's ever done. You know, uh, you know, certainly some of the best live performances. I, I saw him twice. My most recently, I saw him two nights in a row um, at the London Palladium uh, October last year. Oh wow! Oh, so you saw him for the Rough and Rowdy Ways tour? Okay. Oh gosh, it was just you know I, I just there, there was a mix up with tickets, so I got had tickets two nights running somehow, and um, I went with the same friend both times, and it was it was astounding, you know. And I, I and I I think I can check in and say yeah, my you know I don't love everything he does, so my you know, my 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 quality um, filters are in. But I think, yeah, it, it was it was something to listen to the same thing two nights running and hear the slight variations in the set and the way it was a live performance rather than a, a greatest hit jukebox. Mm-hmm. It was, was it the same exact set list for both nights? I think, oh, God, I mean, I think it was exactly the same set list. I could take a break up and just to check. He hadn't started throwing in the uh, Grateful Dead stuff yet. Right. right. But, um, yeah. but I'm at the sad level where, you know, his banter was different and that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, uh, and yeah, but just the phrasing of the songs. And I think at one night, the drummer, one of the drummers had gone somewhere else. So they kind of shifted the musicians around and, um, his phrasing was different. It was just worth listening to, you know, um, mm-hmm. it was an interesting enough performance to think, yeah, it's worth concentrating rather than just, I wish, I wish you'd just put the album on. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a completely different thing. You know, we've, we've got the yeah. record. That's the record. And now it's this is other thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm glad that you stuck with it, though. I mean, for I think a lot of people, they finally go to see an artist and then it's not good that that could 
that'd be it for some people. They'd be like, yeah. that's it. I'm done. You know? Yeah. I'm going to say that the next time I saw him in February 91 was awful as well. You know, so <laughs> I, I really, he was in a gigantic aircraft hangar in Glasgow, Scotland. And, um, I was obviously right at the back and yeah, a doll on the stage again, I think with his back turned towards me most of the time. But yeah, after that, it got better and better. <laughs> so, <yeah>. <laughs> I liked it. You don't, uh, you don't give up. That's good. You stuck with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. it was, maybe because co- it was coinciding with discovering the back catalogue that there were wonders to be found, you know? There were right. Wonders to be so that kind of kept me true. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of wonders to be found, mm. uh, <laughs> let's, let's just set the stage a little bit for people that are too young to remember that when this record came out, you just, you know, you mentioned No Mercy, right? That that was like your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. first new Dylan record. And that's always exciting. Anytime that I, I've ever talked to fans that are younger than I am, which is getting to be more and more the case at this point <laughs> as I, as I age, um, which is great, right? All these, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all these people you get to, it's always a big moment when you get your first Dylan record. Like this is the sure. first one that has come out since you've become a fan because you're there at the, at the inception of the conversation. And it's even in the pre-internet days, that's still a thing. And so my first Bob Dylan record in this context was this record was under the red sky. <laughs> and oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got into him right after in the 90, 91. And so then the first, oh, he's putting out a new, uh, in, in 89, 90, always oh, putting out a new record under the red sky and critics were excited because he had just done Oh Mercy and it had, he had shown, Hey, I've still got it. Okay. Wow. He's got another new record. And then he, as is Bob's want, completely makes a right turn off of what everybody again. Knowing the guy, yeah. Look back now, he was he wasn't going to do Oh Mercy two. That's not <laughs> his thing. But he went so completely kind of in a different direction that people were pretty upset. And then specifically, this song, the opening track, was the one that people really bore down on as, okay, what, what, uh, what is he doing? And yeah, the, yeah. there's a quote here from Patrick Humphreys, the. A, a music critic who was a longtime uh, admirer and commenter of, of Dylan. And this quote is wh- recording this song worse than anything Dylan has ever recorded. Maybe not that bad, but certainly, <laughs> but certainly up there jostling for position in that particular part of hell where the jukebox plays nothing but Joey. Whoa. That's <laughs> harsh. Unfair. Unfair. <laughs> so- I mean, I hate Joey, but yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And I love Wiggle Wiggle. So yeah, we, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So okay. Why of all the songs that you could have picked, why did you go with Wiggle Wiggle? Okay. Okay. This is so. This is a big job. Can I take a bit of a run up about? Uh, of um, course. Take you take under, all the, so under all the, red the landing sky. strip you need. Okay. Thanks a lot. So I think I think one of the problems with Bob Dylan, one of the problems with being a Bob Dylan fan, is that the guy's a genius, right? And um, and I'm not a genius. I mean, that's no false modesty. And sometimes his his genius kind of burns too bright if you know what i mean so in, if i listen to like visions of johanna or baby blue or isis you know my kind of feeling is awe you know that and you know i just cannot believe that these great songs exist and to be honest you know maintaining awe for half an hour an hour at a time is exhausting you know and i don't want to sit back and just be in a state of awe all the time and um so if, when i come in 
exhausted at the end of the night or I, and I just feel like some Bob Dylan. I've, I've just noticed that an album I put on more than many others and certainly more than the early earnest protest stuff is Under the Red Sky. Because, you know, I just kind of, you know, you put the record on and then you hear there was a little boy and there was a little girl and they lived in an alley under the red sky. And then just in case I didn't quite get it the first time, he says it again. <laughs> you know, And I can just feel myself relaxing and I can feel myself un- enjoying the poetry as it is at that level. So I just find it interesting that the album I turned to for relaxation and for enjoyment rather than, you know, self-betterment or education <laughs> or, um, you know, Dylanological reasons, or you know, you know, I think, uh, you know, no surprise, I think uh, Blood on the Tracks is the greatest album. But um, you know, if it's not about his failed relationships and his divorce, I can tell you as a fact, it is about my failed relationships and it mm-hmm. is about my divorce. It's and funny because it's about it's about mine. That's interesting. You would say that, Andrew. Wow, <laughs> how can it can be about, about yours when it's about mine. How, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, but you know, I can go to Blood on the Tracks, but I don't want to go there very often. You know, and the, but I. I, under the red sky is a world I want to live in, and and the thing that kicks it off, like it or not, is wiggle wiggle. And uh, for, for years, I think I joined in the jokes. Right. So the the, the problem with wiggle wiggle is it's the perfect um, punchline. Right. So all you need to do is to quote get one of those guys saying, you know, Dylan is uh, the the new Shakespeare, and then you put that next to one of the verses like. Um, you know, classically, it's always the one line, wiggle, 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 like a bowl of soup, wiggle, 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 like a rolling hoop. And everyone goes, ho, 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 you know, and uh, and that's a cool little undercutting joke. And um, and I suddenly realised that I'd, I'd listened to the joke all these, but I'd never actually stopped to listen to the song. And, and when I turn that album on, I think, what, what a great opening track. But let's forget the wiggles for a bit, you know. Basically, the first thing that hits you is not the wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. It's the, there's these eight beats that you don't so much hear as they slam you in the face, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there are eight more beats. You know, sixteen beats is really quite daring. And this, these beats have got this really cool, uh, slinky guitar line slinking around it. You know, um, from slightly menacing, slightly cool, slightly Harvey sixty one y. And then, boom, it gets going. And there, are, I counted, there are fifty five wiggles in the next uh, one hundred or so seconds, which is two point three wiggles. One one wiggle every two point three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it, and then it's over. And um, and I, you know, it's, it's just over two minutes. And you think, how can you, someone even build up a head of steam enough to hate this song? That was over so quickly. It's so dumb. It's so funny. It's so stupid. It's just a, it's a great, it's it's, it's a great way to kick off the album. I, I think lots of people on your podcast are always going about Paul Williams, right, as uh, as one of their kind of key guides through the Dylan verse. Yes. And can I just read out? So a lines I just found from him in his book, that uh, Bob Dylan Performing Artist, Volume 3. Absolutely. Love, love Paul Williams. Love him. Cool. So he says, um, this is just two, two or three sentences. It says, listen to Dylan's performance of Wiggle Wiggle, and you hear clearly how much he loves his small children and therefore life himself, his life right now. Like Political World or No Mercy, Wiggle Wiggle does a splendid job of reintroducing Bob Dylan to his listeners. Here I am, and this is who I am at this time. If it confuses or even alienates some of those listeners, that's never been a problem for him. I try my best to be just like I am, he once told us. So for me, that that as as always, you know, when I read Paul Williams, that kind of hit that hit the hit the nail on the head, you know. It's basically uh, an opening statement. This is this is this is you know, that was that album, this is this album, and it's telling us about where he is. And where he is, and I don't want to 
I'm not interested in digging into his um, personal life too much, but where he is, as far as I can read, was spending a lot of time with at least one preschool kid, right? He had, mm-hmm. a, he had a little daughter, and the album is tellingly dedicated to... Gabby Gugu. Gabby Gugu, right? Okay. So with all that, how can you hate this song? I mean, I, you know, how can anyone... I think the only reason is, is that... Um, so stop me if I go on too long, but I think people hated this song because... They'd just been given, almost exactly a year earlier, they'd been given an album, which, Oh Mercy, which they could show to their friend and say, see, I told you so, this guy's a genius, right? And um, and then, almost exactly a year later, he comes out with this album that starts Wiggle Wiggle, and all their friends would have just been sneering at them. And then, I think a lot of Dylan fans saw that as, see this song as, a, as an affront, you know, uh, especially uh, Dylanologists who... You know, we take ourselves too seriously. We we overanalyze the lyrics. We think we're up there with fans of Shakespeare and Shelley. And then Wiggle, Wiggle, Wiggle comes out. And it's a personal insult. But if we just step back from that and see that it's a statement of where he was spending time with a preschool kid and having fun and kicking off an album with 16 beats around the head and then 55 wiggles and, uh, you know, uh, 100 seconds later when it's over, it's it, it seems kind of mean-spirited not to like this song. I don't know if that seemed not fair. Yeah, uh, well, yes to all of that. I mean, I, you know, you mentioned, uh, like, you know, visions of Johanna and, and Blonde on Blonde and stuff, and and Blood on the Tracks, and the, all, you know, I Blood on the Tracks also my all time favorite. But Bob, I think we know about him uh, dating back to the first time he hit the scene. Uh, now, sixty years ago, he just does not want anyone to put limitations on him of what he no. can and cannot do. His attitude is only I decide that. And maybe not even, maybe even he can't decide it, but certainly nobody else. And I think on some level, when he comes up, when he comes up with something like this in his head, something that is so simple, uh, it's almost abstract. It's almost Dada, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, another, but kind of nonsense syllables. I think other artists maybe would say, Oh, I can't write this because I am this person. But I think Bob is just, first of all, I think he just has that knee jerk kind of like, don't tell me what I cannot do because I'm going to go do it. And I yeah. think, as you say, I think he, uh, you know, uh, a lot has been made of the sort of nursery rhyme esque, um, rhyme, nursery rhyme approach for a lot of this record. Certainly not the whole record. I mean, good Lord, TV talking song is not a nursery rhyme in any way, but they, you sure. know, under the red sky is like a children's story. Oh, I it's love got that, that you know, and that's a beautiful song. We talked about it on the show, but I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is something that came to him. And then because he doesn't take himself too terribly seriously, or at the very least, he just does not want to operate within the perceived shackles that other people want to put him in he's like yeah i yeah i wrote wiggle wiggle i wrote wiggle 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 in your boots and shoes wiggle wiggle will you've got nothing to lose wiggle like a swarm of bees wiggle on your hands and knees yeah is that you know up there with tangled up in blue no but that's fine because the guy contains multitudes as we know and he can write lots uh-huh. of different things and yeah. that's what this is and so yeah, I, and- think oh, I, think sorry, I think it's hugely courageous right the- to stand up there and be willing to risk making a fool of yourself is, um, again, you know, this is a good l- lesson for us in our, in the middle of our lives. You know, he was, he was stuck in a rut and he did everything to get out of it, you know, hung out and reached out to friends, um, wrote this nonsense. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, nonsense in the, in the best way, you know, as in nonsense poetry, went back to old songs, tried new songs. And, and as we know, it worked. 
And I think there's a, there was an interview he did kind of a few years later where he seemed to be uh, drawing back from the album, saying that, you know, he just kind of turned up in the studio and he was he didn't know what to do and he just kind of wrote lyrics to songs. But I think, you know, he's we all know he's an unreliable narrator and I think there are, there are clear signs that at the time he was taking this seriously, right? So from what I can see, you know, I've been reading up on a few of the books and he... You know, there are other alternate versions of this, which he recorded. He he asked to re-record his vocals. Um, there's a great story about, you know, the um, the great, huge debate about the guitar solo, which I'm, which I, would be great if we could get to later. You know? Courtesy of Slash, yes. Ah, so such a good story. And then, and then the number of times he played it live over the last over the next couple of years, and um, and I think it's always it's it's kind of an interesting thing that this album of all the albums is the one that he printed the lyrics for on the sleeve. You know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> this one. This is the one that decided yeah, yeah. to do that. <laughs> so forget Visions of Johanna. I don't think he printed them on Blonde on Blonde, right? Whatever, whatever that um, he yeah, but he does have wiggle, wiggle, wiggle typed out fifty-five times on his sleeve. <laughs> which I think is brilliant. Why not? Certainly the way that this album was was conceived is kind of almost antithetical to everything that he's always kind of worked on, and that like, you know, this was produced by the Wuzzes, and they brought in all of these kind of guest stars to sit in on these songs. And so, you know, you've got an album that's got David Crosby and Elton John and George Harrison and the aforementioned Slash and Bruce Hornsby and Stevie Ray, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, it's just very, very different than anything Bob ever did where it was like, Oh, you know, he's going to show up and record with all these people. Now, presumably he knew most, certainly longtime friends with Harrison and Elton John and David Crosby, but these are not Harrison accepted. These are not people he has spent a lot of time recording with. And so it's a very unusual way of doing a Bob album. And, you know, yeah, maybe he was a little uncomfortable with that. Uh, But, but yeah, it's, 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 so he, you know, he's bringing these songs to, to this kind of unfamiliar milieu, you know, of like, Oh, I'm going to kind of work with these people. I'm not terribly, familiar with and yeah i like that that slash story that there is the supposedly a uh you know a big uh a guitar solo in the middle which they took out yeah. uh the, <laughs> they took out later it, you know it's funny you mentioned that there is there is an alternate take of this you can find it on youtube and it's got alternate lyrics it wasn't like he didn't work on it. it wasn't like he was trying to achieve something i mean there's a verse wiggle 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 let me dress you in green wiggle wiggle again wiggle like a big fat hen so, I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't like he just tossed this off and was like, all right, you know, whatever. He actually is trying to get somewhere with this song as much as it does sound like a bunch of kind of gibberish. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the, the celebrity guests are what makes this album a joy. You know, you can dig into it and you can follow down so many um, rabbit holes online. You know, so, you know, the, you know who played, played the bass on Wiggle Wiggle was uh, Randy Jackson, who I think is the judge on American Idol, right? Is that the same Randy Jackson? I've always seen that so. name, I, but I didn't that, know if that was the same guy. I really hope it is. Otherwise, I've just made a fool of myself. But I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, because... <laughs> Um, and then David Lindley is on guitar. He played right. on song Leonard Cohen. And then there's Slash from Guns N' Roses. There's Jamie, I can't pronounce his surname, sorry, but he, he was a big guy with Seal. And, um, yeah, so, and, and the Slash story is wonderful. You know, so the, apparently Slash comes in and there is, um, Kim Basinger. Is that how you pronounce her surname? Yes. Yes. Hanging out with George Harrison in this bizarre celebrity <laughs> heaven off Hollywood Boulevard. And um, and Bob Dylan, and he sees this kind of shrunken guy with a hooded top on and leather gloves in the middle of the sum- Hollywood summer, and that's our hero, Bob Dylan. And 
and Bob Dylan comes up to him and says, can you play a guitar like Django Reinhardt? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, um, and then Slash kind of, I, I wonder whether he, either he can't or he doesn't want to do that. So he, he plays what he thinks is like a classic, one of his best little fills. And then he asks for a tape, you know, a couple of days later and notices it is just his acoustic strumming. And Donald says, yeah, yeah, the guy, Bob thought it sounded too much like Guns N' Roses. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that Bob knew that. Bob no one knew yeah, enough yeah, about yeah. Guns N' Roses to know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I think I think Slash should have just followed his instruction because I wonder what Django Reinhardt would have sounded like in the middle of this. A bit, maybe something like Floater or Po' Boy, you know, that kind of spirit. I don't know. But um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just glorious, you know. Um, if they could release a double A side with Slash's solo reinserted, that would be worth something. Well, we need a bootleg series. We need another yeah. Red Sky bootleg series. No, no, I guess a wiggle, wiggle bootleg series. I'm sure there's enough, you know. For yeah, alternate so. takes of it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> totally. And it, there's something about, first of all, when I was listening to it over again, like, I was like, God, this thing is so fun to listen to. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just a fun pop song. And again, it's like, why can't Bob Dylan do that? You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah as yeah. you say, this is always the kind of song that people want to sneer at if they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's a genius. And you're like, well, no, it's not that all of his songs are this. The, the, the genius is Visions of Johanna and Tangled Up in Blue and like a Rolling Stone and, you know, whatever. But he also can do this. He also can do something silly and goofy. And yet it is not. It's like an earworm. I mean, you really are just like you're, you find yourself bopping along to it, even though. The, the, the sounds are just again, just sort of nonsense. And that's okay though. I mean, one of my favorite, yeah, yeah. one of my all time favorite Bob songs, top five is the You Ain't Going Nowhere from Greatest Hits Volume Two, which you mentioned at the beginning of the show, where he's talking about a fish that walks and a dog that talks. I mean, that's just gibberish, right? That's just nonsensical. That's, that's about the what the, the feel of syllables in yeah, your yeah. mouth as you're singing them. And that's what this song is. It's just that. Yeah, Little red bike, little red wagon, little red bike. I ain't no monkey, but I know right. what I like. Yeah, and that's off. You know the unimpeachable blood on the tracks. So. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, I mean, people have said like, "Oh, this is like a kid song," but it's not. It's not a kid song. It uses kid-friendly, you know, rhyme schemes, but it's not a kid song. I mean, it's, you've got "Wiggle to your high, wiggle to your higher, wiggle to you vomit fire." Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is not pretty, a line for a kid. It gets pretty dark, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, wiggle till it cuts, right? Um, yep. Uh, you can raise till it shuts, yeah. Fire, yeah. Like a big fat snake. I mean, wh- what's been a real joy is um, looking through all the books and fan theories. And, you know, you cannot put a Bob Dylan fan down. They will do their best to analyze the hell out of everything. And people have really have tried their best to um, pull Wiggle Wiggle apart. So, I mean, do you, I found a few theories. Is, do, you, do, we have, do we have time to go through them? That, of course, of course. Yeah, okay, these these are the alternate readings. And by the way, I don't subscribe to these. <laughs> but there's the, um, there's the, basically the, the fact that this is, the, widely shared theory, this is a song about kind of damnation and sex. So that's, um, you know, that's the violent language, wiggle till it cuts, wiggle till it, you know, you can raise the dead, vomit fire, bat, big fat snake. Um, I've seen people say, as a matter of fact, that clearly the big fat snake is a phallic symbol or a symbol of Satan. And um, and one point, one someone pointed with huge excitement to the fact that uh, on the cover, Dylan's wearing snakeskin boots. You know, whoa! You know, oh wow! Oh boy, whoa, we're, we're headed into uh, Stanley Kubrick <laughs> fake the moon landing kind of stuff now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. 
it's fun but it does kind of you know that, that that language is there and it's kind of it's kind of um i mean personally i just think that bob dylan's imagination tends towards apocalypse you know he enjoys um starting with something light and then you know there's so many songs about the end of times and darkness and all that kind of stuff so i think as he was churning out the nonsense churning is an unfair word but as he was composing the nonsense he he enjoyed you know mixing up the kids stuff with the dark stuff and then there's the idea that the whole album is some kind of deconstruction of like a rolling stone wow um, whoa have you, you haven't come across that one no whoa what do you know <laughs> So, okay, I put it to you, right, Rob? That wiggle, wiggle, wiggle in your boots and shoes. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. You got nothing to lose. You got nothing to lose. Does that ring any bells? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's and what's the other? This is Bob Dylan's nursery rhyme album. What other song starts like a nursery rhyme? Once, once upon a time. Once upon hey, a time. Oh no! <laughs> it's all coming together, right? And then Handy Dandy is kind of a poor man's like a Rolling Stone. It's the same kind of character. Um, it's got that same kind of organ fills in it. That same yeah, by Al Cooper. Kind of, by the little little by the same guy. Al, and Al Cooper's on it. There you go. It's a clear reference, right? <laughs> we <laughs> found then, him. We got him. <laughs> we got him. Yeah, we yeah. him out. That guy. He always. It's all about decoding these songs. That's what it's about, right? And then one I kind of like, and I think there's an element of this. Is I got this from um, the Bob Dylan Encyclopedia, Mike, Michael Gray, that um, Wiggle Wiggle doesn't come out of nowhere. You know, there is, um, a, you know, we all know that Bob's are like a walking dictionary of um, uh, popular music, American and British and all, all sorts. And so there's a song by the Accents in 1958, Wiggle Wiggle. You don't have to be pretty. You don't have to wear fine clothes. All you got to do is walk along and wiggle, wiggle where it shows the most. Hmm. And then, Hank Ballard and the Midnighters, uh, Sexy Ways, which has got Wiggle, Wiggle, Wiggle all the way through it. And then a decade on, Sam Cooke, Shake in 1965, which has the line, shaken like a bowl of soup. You know, <laughs> so, so uh, this kind of rings true to me because, you know, this song was born at this bizarre concert he did at, is it Toads? What's it called? Um, oh, the Toads, yeah, the, the, the five-hour concert that he did. Yeah, 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 yeah. When yeah. he was just throwing out all sorts of stuff, like old covers and taking requests. Taking requests? I know, oh can you imagine? <laughs> and so it included <laughs> loads of these kind of obscure 50s hits. None of those three, but... And then suddenly Wiggle Wiggle appears in that set list and then doesn't appear again until the end of the year when he, um, you know starts playing it live and then uh, putting it on the album. So you could, if you wanted to be really respectful, say that he's taking us on a walking tour of kind of, you know, nonsense lyrics through the populace, the great American songbook. But um, but I think if you do, you've got Bob Dylan laughing at you behind you because he's singing about, you know, wiggle, 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 like a big fat snake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely love that theory. It is complete tosh, but I, but I love yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. It works. It, you know, like, like to me, it's like if somebody came to that honestly good for them then that's what it's yeah, about yeah, yeah. i will tell you for me for me you know listening to this song for the last uh 33 years i have always taken it to be about um again this is kind of crude excuse me everybody but i've always taken it as it's about a guy trying to perform sexually because oh, he's, really? talk he's talking about wiggle you can raise the dead so he's talking <laughs> about his own his own body is not responding sexually to the event. And so, and I mean, the big fat snake, that's right over the plate in terms of the phallic simile. Wow. But to me, the wiggle like a ton of lead, that's a, that's a reference in the culture of, you know, lead in your pencil means right, 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 right. getting it up. It's a wiggle you can raise the dead. So this is like a guy caught him. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But this is a guy, <laughs> talk about Bob laughing behind my back. 
But this is about a guy who is trying to kind of argue with his own body. Come on, let's let's so, let's get this moving here. <laughs> I mean, I, I can see that, but I mean, one thing I'd say against that theory is we we all know that his bell still rings, right? His bell still. <laughs> there, I will. I will argue that there are more lyrics about sex in Bob Dylan's song than he gets credit right. for, or that people would assume. Because as you talk about, he's Mister Shakespeare, he's Mister Poet Laureate, but I think he also writes a lot of songs about about, yeah, uh, yeah, about yeah. sex. <laughs> I mean, can, can, can I just give you my theory about what it? Course, how I see it. Yeah. Well, you're here. So again, when I was a kid, you know, I, I was in Africa, but we, I came back for the summer, so I, I caught a bit of kids tv in the um late 70s early 80s and we had there were loads of these kind of groovy 70s cartoons i don't know if they made it over to um uh Rue robin custard does that ring a bell with you no i've never heard of that and well the the, the the sort of defining line was that they they were purposely drawn crudely um so that the lines wiggled right and um i think okay. you're an artist right there's this kind of uh technique of animation where you purposely change the lines i think it's called boiling the lines does that ring a bell i don't i've never heard it referred to that but i know what you're talking about i've seen i mean uh, there was a show many years ago called dr cats well exactly, it exactly and it's that thing. same thing where the lines are purposely yeah, yeah, yeah. going da, 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 yeah they're moving and for dr cats they they, they they invoked i think they actually invented a system squiggle vision <laughs> squiggle vision that's right that's what it's called yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so but in the kids context it, it creates this wonderfully energetic cartoon so and you, so basically the characters walking down the street, Rubum and Custer's about a dog and a cat, and everything wiggles. You know, the birds and the trees wiggle, the, 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 a bowl of soup would wiggle, a car going past would wiggle, and it creates this kind of childlike wonder in the world. Everything's new, everything's exciting. It kind of gives that idea. And so it, when I play Wiggle Wiggle, I kind of run the video in my head, which is mm. kind of this groovy. And this is about, you know, again, thinking about, you know, his young child, kind of a guy looping down the street in a kind of groovy 70s way with the whole world wiggling around and wiggle 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 like a bowl of soup you know certainly the early uh verses when it's all fun it hasn't gone dark yet um uh dressed in green wiggle till the moon sees you you know like you, know, you can imagine a kid's cartoon where the moon turns around and waves at you that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then okay so, so this is when bob starts laughing at me so i've got this vision of this genius songwriter who's having to spend an awful lot of his time in the company of a three four-year-old watching endless kids tv and then you know what they don't tell you until you've got kids is that kids can also be absolute hell beasts and kids <laughs> can also want to play the same dumb cartoon over again and again and again after again so i can just imagine him sitting there watching the equivalent of rhubarb and custard for the 45th time and you know it, it kind of get him into some kind of weird haze where you could, it's, it's, it's getting infuriating so i think that's where the where the language gets a bit more violent. You know, children do um, howl and, uh, you know, uh, vomit fire. Vomit, you know, vomit fire, sure, well. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, wiggle, wiggle, rattle and shake, wiggle, big, big fat snake. It's just, I, I prefer to to try and pitch myself in a, in a sort of a, in the world of a songwriter who's having to spend a lot of time with a three-year-old kid watching a lot of kids' TV and still his encyclopedic knowledge of song lyrics and his love of, <laughs> weird images keeps on invading and it just pushes the song into this wonderfully you know dark ending and really any attempt to sort of for my part any attempt to kind of decode the lyrics after that is kind of falling into his trap then i become the real kind of sad dylan fan and and uh no i'm, I'm not I'm not saying you are with, with your no favorite. totally yeah, yeah yeah no there's a point where it's like there's 
Yeah, there there is no analyzing to be had here. It's just it's the just sounds. Fun. It's and just the rhythms of it. That's all that it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's over so quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And it's um, why 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 get bad tempered about it? Just just have fun. And uh, what a great way! What a great sort of boom to start the album with. He had a lot of fun with this uh, because uh, he, as you mentioned earlier, he performed this 105 times live. <laughs> uh, b- Buckets of rain one time. But uh, but but no, through 1990 to 1992, he persevered with this kind of. And I found one version from London in 1991 that is is it's on YouTube. I think it's barely two minutes long. He's going so fast. He's like wiggle 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 like a boots and blue wiggle wiggle wiggle. You got nothing like it's like a punk song. I mean, he's just barreling through it. And then I found another one where he introduces it as this is from my new record. (laughs) <laughs> which is like so anti Bob because it's like that's like you know ad speak you know like hey let's remind everybody I've got a new record I'm like that's so not what Bob does and what does he do it for for Wiggle Wiggle like that's the, <laughs> that's the song that he's like hey everybody if you want to enjoy this next song you'll be able to buy my new record he clearly had a lot of fun with it and you hear the crowd they're responding because it, it's a fun song to hear in concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's just it's up tempo. It rocks out, and then boom, he moves on to the next thing. Well, I, I wonder. It's kind of a good joke, but I wonder whether it wore thin even for him. You know, he likes his dad jokes, but um, it, it's all it's all in one block, isn't it? Right. So basically, he uh, he tours after the album's out, and then he goes on to the next. Is it a year and a half, basically? Yeah, basically, like for two years, he worked on. He he would play it, and then the, of course, that thirty years ago, he hasn't done it since. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it, I mean, you know, like to quote the Smiths, that, that, that joke isn't funny anymore, maybe, but I mean, it was, kind of, <laughs> it was good for him to stand at the front and basically say, yeah, yeah, here's the poet laureate of whatever, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. And, um, and I love it. I, I, he, he, there's all these intros. He says, hey, I'm not going to do a Bob impression, but he says, yeah, here's one of my ecological songs. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, this song's about a fish in a pail. This is one of my fishing songs. And, uh, here's one of my religious songs, wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> so, Sorry, that was that was halfway to an int- imitation. I apologize, but I mean, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird that. So on the, I, I must say that all, all the all the album versions I've had, I haven't heard that many. The ones by him, I, I prefer the one on the record the most because um, I think it's fun, and I think he's still in the nursery. You know, he's kind of maybe looking after the kid in the morning and then going in on the tour. The kind of the drum beats kind of get a bit boorish, and it's kind of a lad's joke. You know, all the boys in the band and all the guys in the audience. And um, there are a couple of times when he plays a song with a, a fat shaming joke about Roseanne, which kind of, you know, mm. which which falls, you know, which is a shame. But yeah, but still, I think there's just something a bit clunky. It's good fun. And he's kind of his clearly the joke is to come out, you know, the voice of a generation coming out, sing Wiggle Wiggle at these at these, at these concerts. Um, but uh, yeah, for some reason, I, I haven't heard a sing. I haven't heard a version that matches the lightness and fun and the speed of the um of the album version. Well, speaking of a cover version, I do want to mention something that actually just popped up in the feed right before we recorded this. It almost seemed like it was uh, it was fate, Andrew. I do want to mention one other thing that I noticed about this song is that in 1991, when Bob turned 50, there were all these tributes in various magazines and newspapers. And I think it was in, I don't know, probably was Uncut magazine. It doesn't matter what mag- what, what it was, but it was a, a list from Bono. And it was 50 reasons why I love Bob Dylan upon him turning 50. And so it was random thing is it was like, he wrote a song with me. He wrote this, he wrote, it's all just kind of not very playful tribute to Bob. 
but one of the things on the 50 was he recently rhymed bowl of soup with rolling hoop. And I was like, wow, even Bono is kind of like singling out Wiggle Wiggle as like, hey, he can do this. That's okay. Yeah, he wrote Vision of Johanna, but he can also write Bowl of Soup and Rolling Hoop. That's 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 good too. Uh, Oh, good for Bono. I like him a lot more for that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, sorry, speaking of covers, just before you and I sat down to do this, Ray Padgett, who uh, actually is going to be on the show next week, happened happened to find a cover of this song over on SoundCloud by a musician named Neil Matthew Fox. You can go find this, everybody. And it is a, it's kind of like what uh, I would imagine if Leonard Cohen decided to cover Wiggle Wiggle, <laughs> this is what it would sound like because it's like wiggle, 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 like a boots and shoes. Wiggle, wiggle. <laughs> so like, Hey man, it's all up for grabs. Good for you, man. I'm glad yeah, yeah, somebody's yeah. tackled this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I heard that and I love that. So thanks for pointing me to that. There's, um, <laughs> there's a little kind of collection of covers out there and you can see the, them grinning on stage. I think first of all, they're really proud of themselves for having found this obscure track. And then, um, you know, whenever, whenever people are playing, apart from the one you just saw me actually, everyone's grinning and, um, there's kind of a joy and a, a kind of an archness in some of the covers. But, um, but that one was, was a good straight, uh, bass cover. It was good fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I've always liked this song. You know, it, it's fun because it, you know, it, it's kind of fun to re- watch people rip into it because you could just kind of roll your eyes and go, ah, you know, whatever. As you said, it, you have, you really are kind of like going out of way to be churlish to rip into this. This is just such a silly nonsense song. It's cl- so clearly that, that how can you get that upset about it? Really? Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, I mean, the, you know, contra to Patrick Humphrey's comment, I'll listen to this. 10,000 times where I have to sit through you know, like Joey again for Pete's sakes. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a, it's a song that I've wanted to get to. And once in a while, someone will mention it and I'm like, Oh, someday we'll have to do it. But I, when you mentioned, it, I was like, okay, now, now's the time. Now's <laughs> the time to, to discuss uh wiggle wiggle. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the bit in your teeth and, and running with it, Andrew. Well, no, well, thanks a lot for having me on. It's been an honor. It really has. <laughs> so, so, uh, okay. As we're wrapping up here, I want to ask you, uh, an exit standard exit question, which is if there is any Bob recording session that you could sit in on again, just be a fly on the wall for, uh, what would that be? Jeez, I mean, can I, can I, um, stretch it to a, a concert tour? I mean, was, that's unfair, isn't it? The, the uh, I, I mean, I think, I mean, uh, I've always been obsessed, obviously, with the Rolling Thunder review. And I've never got my head around the second half of that, um, uh, 1976. So I'd love to have been on that tour and, um, sat in and all of that. Um, in terms of recording, I mean, there's so many. I mean, imagine sitting on Blonde on Blonde. My mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have to be careful, you know, time travel wise, not to mess anything up. Imagine if you sort of dropped a symbol and ruined the whole <laughs> he got distracted there it goes <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd have to hide in a cupboard but um yeah the blonde on blonde i think would be would be great yeah yeah right. and you get a lot to, he, it took a while to record too you'd be down in nashville and stuff it was like a good time absolutely yeah so. absolutely <laughs> well andrew thank you for coming on this was great talking to you i really enjoyed it and uh again thank you for the uh the alternative interpretations of wiggle wiggle i didn't think we would get there but uh my guests <laughs> constantly surprised me no, no, no problem. That has been a joy. It has really <laughs> been a joy to think about it. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? So, yeah, so I've just got a book out. It's called The Prince and the Plunder. It's about an Ethiopian prince who was taken from Ethiopia and dropped into Britain in the 19th century. So the website for that is theprinceandtheplunder.com. 
And I'm online on Twitter uh, at Loot Plunder, L-O-O-T-P-L-U-N-D-E-R, which is what I talk about, uh, yeah, about the book and about imperial pillaging. Very cool. Again, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for listening. Of course, you can find this show on Twitter as pod underscore Dylan. You can also find us over on Blue Sky and you can find all the back episodes on our website, fmpods.com. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will see you later and go ahead and wiggle, everybody. Bye. Put a what I thought was one of my better one-off solos on there. And so then I took off home and I said, send me a rough mix whenever you get one. And so Don had the, the tape message it over a couple days later and I'm listening to it and it's a song, Wiggle Wiggle. It's a very sort of innocuous kind of song in the first place. And, uh, and so then here comes the solo section and it just acoustic. A pointless acoustic section and then the song kicked back in and I called Don, what happened to the guitar solo? He goes, well, Bob thought it sounded too much like Guns N' Roses. Which for me was the ultimate compliment. You know, I mean, all things considered, at least I was a part of a band that had an identifiable sound, and the guitar playing was recognizable enough for Bob to, to notice that. Um, it was a drag because I thought the solo was pretty good, but you know, live and learn, and, and it was one of my, my classic, for me, you know, one of the session stories that, that I adore.